do ask that tonight, that as we just take a little bit of time out and talk about these things, that if there is uncertainty that we feel in our lives, maybe not just on the financial end, but Lord, maybe it's um, in the home, personal, whatever it might be, even health-wise, that Lord, we would always look to You. And Lord, that we would always look up and keep a proper perspective. That Lord, we are thankful that we belong to the kingdom. That Lord, that we know that things of this world are going to pass away. We want to be good stewards of what You've given us. We want to plan. Lord, we, we want to be able to, to work hard and provide for our families. And we know that every good gift comes from above and we're thankful for those things that we have. But Lord, also knowing that, that You want us to keep the eternal things in perspective and priority. So Lord, I pray that that would just happen right now as we just spend a few minutes in the book of Leviticus. And Lord, that you bless this time as we study your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Leviticus is just a continuation of the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus, we know that the children of Israel came out of Egypt after being in bondage for over 400 years. Moses brings them to the mountain of God and there they received the law of God as we saw. But also we saw that Moses up on that mountain would receive the pattern to the tabernacle. And we finished last week those last four chapters of the, of the children of Israel actually building the tabernacle. Now you remember that the purpose of the tabernacle was what? The purpose, the Lord said, that I might meet with my people. And so here as we go in Leviticus, as the tabernacle has now been constructed, the priestly garments have now been made, we know that the priests are going to come from the direct descendants of Aaron. It was the tribal Levites or the sons of Levi that came to Moses there in Exodus chapter 32. After the children of Israel had um, sinned greatly in, in committing idolatry and dancing around that golden calf and also great immorality. And you recall as Moses came down from the mountain that he said, whoever's on the Lord's side, come stand with me. And it was the sons of Levites that did that. And then they went throughout the camp with, and they uh, would put to death those who persisted in their idolatry. And the scripture says that 3,000 died that day. When we go into the book of Numbers, we're going to see as the children of Israel go into the promised land, that the Lord is going to say that the Levites are not going to receive an inheritance. That is a section of land. So the land's going to be divided up into lots and the different you know, um, allotments given to each of the tribes of Israel, except for the Levites who ministered there at the tabernacle. And the priests being one of the families of the Levites, that is the direct descendants of Aaron. When we get to the book of Numbers, it's going to tell us very specifically the details and the duties of what those different families did and Aaron and his priests, as well as the book of Leviticus telling us the duties of the priests. So they're all ready to go. The tabernacle's standing. The sacrifices are ready to go. And we see that now Moses is going to be told specifically about the different sacrifices. As we read in Leviticus 1, now the Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tabernacle of meeting, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of the livestock of the herd and of the flock. It is his offering is a burnt offering of the herd. Let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own free will at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. And so here we see that um, we're going to, as we begin Leviticus, we're going to talk about the sacrifices. Now, one of the things when they received the laws we saw in the book of Exodus, that there were three main facets that the covenant that they made with God, um, the law of Moses included. That was the law that they were to obey, 
Second of all, we're going to see, particularly when we get to the book of Deuteronomy, that the choice of blessing or cursing, that is, the Lord's going to come to the children of Israel and say, when you go into the promised land, if you do these things, if you keep the covenant, if you obey me, you worship me, you don't worship false idols, then I'm going to bless you, I'm going to bless your families, I'm going to bless the land, I'm going to send the rains, I'm going to protect you from your enemies. But he would also say, if you fall away from me and go after false idols and and you disobey me, then here are the cursings. You're going to go into bondage, there's going to be drought, uh, there's going to be famine in the land, uh, you're going to be taken off into captivity by your enemies, all these things. But the third facet that was according to the covenant, the Mosaic covenant to the children of Israel, was sacrifices here for the breaking of the law. And so the sacrifices, as we go through the first part of the book of Leviticus, is going to be a handbook to the priest concerning the different sacrifices that the people were to bring. We're also going to see in the book of Leviticus the different ceremonial and moral laws that are going to be given to the people. And, and it's going to be how the leaders of Israel were to uh, carry out those laws and then how it concerned the priests. So here the priests in this book we're going to see are going to learn how they are to, to serve the Lord. They're going to learn how it is that they are to worship the Lord, how they are to obey the Lord, as well as the people are going to get more uh, laws about uh, how they are to walk with God and to obey the Lord. So as we go through this book, again, the law, keep in mind as we study the law, we don't study the law so we put ourselves under the law. We study the law because, as Paul said, the purpose of the law, even though it's God's righteous standard, the purpose of the law is to show us that we can't keep it and we need the Savior Jesus Christ. It's a tutor to drive us to Jesus Christ, isn't it? As Paul would write in Galatians uh, in that epistle. But also, uh, we see that the sacrifices that are spelled out here we're going to see that it points to Jesus Christ, speaks of Jesus Christ. It reminds us that what Jesus Christ did for us, the book of Leviticus really is the forerunner to the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. If you want to have a clear understanding, really, of the book of Hebrews, it's good to have an understanding of the book of Leviticus and the sacrifices that are here. And so what the book of Hebrews comes along and says, those sacrifices in Leviticus that are spoken of and they did in the Old Testament, it was just a shadow of the reality Jesus Christ who comes on the scene who is the ultimate sacrifice for you and for me who died once and for all for our sins so we're going to get into different terms here concerning these sacrifices that speak of Jesus and point to Jesus and then it reminds us as we make applications for ourselves that you and I are to be a living sacrifice unto the Lord how it is that we can worship a holy God and walk with him and, and serve the Lord in a better way as we go through this so I hope that as we go through Leviticus you see that it's going to be a tremendous blessing as we look at these things. So the first sacrifice that's being talked about here is the burnt offering. And we talked a little bit about that in the book of Exodus because the book of Exodus, we saw the consecration of the priest. That is, the priest being prepared for service. And so they would bring a burnt offering. And the burnt offering, the name implies that the whole animal would be consumed on that sacrifice. Remember the altar out there in the outer court? And that's where they did the sacrifices. We know, as we're going to see in Leviticus here, that that fire was to burn continually. And so they would bring the sacrifices. And the burnt offering was brought to where they would burn that animal, all that animal, on the, sac on the altar, which we're going to see. And it symbolized and it pointed to the fact that, that we are to give 
all to the Lord. Complete devotion and surrender to the Lord. And so it's a sacrifice of worship and consecration before the Lord. So the animals we read in verse 3 here uh, was to be a male without blemish that has no defects. In other words, you didn't go out into your flock of animals and said, okay, here's, here's an animal, a goat, a sheep, or, or, or you know, a bull or whatever that's sick and going to die here in a few weeks anyway, so why don't we go ahead and offer that as a sacrifice? God in these sacrifices, when he says, you bring that flock, that animal of the flock, with no blemish, no defects, he is saying you bring your very best. And for you and for me to truly be ones that we say to the Lord, you know what, Lord, I give you all. Lord, I give you complete surrender and devotion of my heart to you. That's giving the Lord the very best, isn't it? It's not saying, well, Lord, I'm just going to be a Christian on Sunday and then the rest of the week I'm going to live after the world and pursue the world. So it costs them something and it reminds us how Jesus Christ that, that God, as he gave Jesus as a sacrifice for you and for me, it cost God his very best, didn't it? That was his son. His son who is the perfect lamb of God without any blemish. And so here they were to bring the best of their animal without any blemish. We see at the end of the Old Testament, Malachi, the last book, that after the Babylonian captivity that the Lord ended up rebuking the children of Israel because they were bringing uh, substandard sacrifices. They were bringing those animals that had defects and lame and, and, and sickly and all this. And the Lord said, no, that's not what I want from you. I want the very best. And the Lord desires the very best of us as we completely give ourselves to him. But notice here in verse 3 as well that it was a free will offering that was to be offered. Each animal was freely given. And when it comes to worship before the Lord, we should give it freely, shouldn't we? We talked about it when it comes to our giving, how the children of Israel gave to the tabernacle. They gave of a free will spirit. They gave of a willing heart. They gave freely and willingly. And, and, and that's the way that we are to give. But not just in giving of our finances, but also giving of our hearts and our service and our devotion to the Lord. It needs to be a free will. Lord, I come to you. I'm not, you know... Uh, manipulated into coming to you or anything, but Lord, I give you my heart freely because Jesus Christ, he gave of himself freely to me and died for me. And so verse 4 we read, then he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. Now, quickly, three terms that we've discussed this a little bit, but I want to remind you and let's get it down as we go into Leviticus here because we're going to see these things and we're going to see these terms that I want to give to you and, um, and, and give you the definition so we don't have to stop every time and, and look at it and, and make explanation of these terms. There's those terms that theologians use, substitution and transference, isn't there? So when they brought that animal in the burnt offering or in the sin offering, is what they would do. That person bringing that animal would lay his hands on the head of that animal and it symbolized that he was transferring his heart, that is, this burnt offering, my devotion to you, Lord. It's a free will offering symbolizing that my worship and my heart and devotion to you is total. And so as you would put your hand on the animal, it was transference. That is, your heart was being transferred to the animal. And that animal symbolized 
your heart and your mindset and your attitude. It's the same with the sin offering. When you put your hand on that animal, it transferred your sin upon that animal and that animal was now bearing your sins and then would sacrifice because the wages of sin is what? Is death. Adam, when you sin in the garden, you shall surely die. And so God made a way for sacrifice for sin. And so it would transfer. Jesus Christ, as He died on the cross, that transference, all of our sins were placed upon Him as He died on Calvary's cross. But also substitution. That animal became a substitute for you. And you got to live. But that animal ended up dying. Because of transference and because of substitution. He was the substitute for you. Jesus Christ became the substitute for you and for me. And now we have eternal life. Jesus died for us as He bore our sins upon Himself. And He made atonement for us. Now in the Old Testament, the word atonement in Hebrew means a covering. And that's why they would do these sacrifices over and over and over again. So when you go to the book of Hebrews, that it says, you know, all the sacrifices of the animals, the, the goats and the bulls and the, and the sheep, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. till Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, came and died once and for all for our sins. And so they continually did these sacrifices because it covered sin until the true sacrifice uh, that is the perfect sacrifice Jesus Christ would come and die for our sins once and for all. That's why I was telling somebody before service, I'm so glad we live on this side of the cross. Because we look to our sacrifice, Jesus Christ, who died once and for all. So atonement, a covering, uh, transference and substitution. In verse 5, And he shall kill the bull before the Lord, and the priest, Aaron's sons, shall sprinkle the blood and sprinkle the blood all around on the altar. It is by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And he shall skin the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. Now, it's interesting as the animal was skinned. Jesus, as he would go through the sufferings of the cross, that when they laid that cat of nine tails on his back, it would just rip his skin off. And, and many of us saw the Passion of Christ a few years ago, and, and I think it portrayed it very graphically, but very clearly what actually happened is the Romans, in their scourging, they would have that cat of nine tails, and they would have that scourge was the main uh, leather strip and then different uh, strips that would come off, and it, on those different strips that would come off the main strip, had a piece of sharp metal on the end of it. And so when he laid that cat of nine tails on your back as he scourged you, the sharp metal would just kind of grip your skin and then just rip it off. Chunks of skin would come off. And Jesus literally, his back, and then if they turned him over on his front, he, he was skinned. A lot of that skin would come off. And many men would die from the, the bleeding and the loss of blood because of that scourging that he that they would take the Roman scourging. And so, again, uh, Jesus, as He went through the, the, the sacrifice of, for you and for me, dying for our sins, the sufferings that He went through for you and for me. And the sons of Aaron the priest shall put fire on the altar and lay the wood in order on the fire. Again, we're going to see that that fire was to continually burn. And the priest Aaron's son shall lay the parts, the head and the fat in order, on the wood that is on the fire upon the altar. But he shall wash his entrails and his legs with water. And the priest shall burn all on the altar as a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire, and a sweet aroma to the Lord. And so all the animal would be consumed um, by the fire. And it symbolized again 
that that person who laid their hands on that animal, that that, that animal was a substitution for them, that, that I give all to you, Lord. I give all to you. Nothing was held back. So the animal was completely consumed. And you and I, that as Paul would write then in Romans chapter 12, that I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, by the mercies of God. He had written 11 chapters there in Romans about the mercies of God and the grace of God. That chapters 1, 2, and 3, we have all sinned. Whether you're a heathen or whether you're you know, religious, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. And then he goes on to say how we're saved by faith and that true descendants of, of Abraham were ones that come by faith. And, and that is by the seed of faith and that the righteousness of works is not going to save you, but it's by grace that we are saved. And so he makes that argument and then that just because we're saved by grace doesn't mean that we continue in sin. Certainly not. Romans chapter six, that you're a new creation in Christ, that you have identified with Christ unto death as as he talks about the symbolism of baptism and reckon it, that it to be so. And so we walk in grace means that we're surrendered to the Lord. We're free to live for him. We're dead to sin is what Romans says. So we walk in the spirit, not after the flesh, as he makes that argument in six, seven and eight. And then in chapter 12, after 11 chapters, laying out this wonderful theology for you and I to learn about what it really means to walk with the Lord and that we're saved by grace. Then he says, by the mercies of God, what he's done for you and provided for you. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And I pray that we would understand what that means. A living sacrifice. The Lord, that you desire for me to give all to you. And it's only then when I give you all of my heart, I give you my devotion, my trust, Lord, that you're going to be a living sacrifice unto him. And because of your love for him, because as you see his love proved to you by being the ultimate sacrifice for us, and saving us. And we don't have to die. Experience eternal separation from the Lord. That Lord, my love for you. I want to live for you. And walk with you. You see? It's not that I have to. I get to. I get to live for you, Lord. And have relationship with you. And, and I want to know what is that holy and acceptable to you. That reasonable service, Lord. To serve you and to honor you with my life. And it's a sweet smell and aroma, just as uh, the burnt offering was, which means it was pleasing to the Lord. And so verse 8, Then the priest Aaron's son shall lay the parts on the heads and, and on the fat and order the wood that is on the fire upon the altar. But he shall wash its entrails and its legs with water, and the priest shall burn all the altar as a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire, sweet aroma to the Lord. And its offering is the flock of the sheep or of the goats. And so now we see the procedures given uh, for the offering of a sheep or a goat as a burnt offering. And we see in verse 10, if his offering is of the flocks or the sheep or the goats as a burnt sacrifice, he shall bring a male without blemish. He shall kill it on the north side of the altar before the Lord and the priest and Aaron's son shall sprinkle his blood all around on the altar. Just a real quick note that that there's a debate when we stand on the Mount of Olives and we look down at the Temple Mount where the temple was, there's a debate where Mount Moriah is. Some say, hey, it's to the west of the, where the temple was. Some say it's to the north. I think Leviticus chapter 1 answers that. Mount Moriah, or Calvary, where Jesus was sacrificed for us, the animal died north of the altar. 
And so come to Israel with us in two years when we plan another trip, and I'll explain it more further. So put a little side note, okay, in your Bible. And um, we'll get there, Lord willing, in a couple of years, and I'll point it out to you. Verse, 11, or verse 12, And he shall cut it into pieces with its head on its fat, and the priest shall lay them in order on the wood that is on the fire upon the altar. But he shall wash the entrails and the legs with water. Then the priest shall bring it all and burn it on the altar, and it's a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire, sweet aroma to the Lord. And if the burnt sacrifice of his offering to the Lord is of birds, uh, that is, uh, then he shall bring his offerings of turtle doves and young pigeons. So here's the procedure. That if you were poor and you didn't have a flock, that you could offer a bird. It couldn't be just any bird, but it had to be um, a, a pigeon uh, or, or a young pigeon or a turtle dove. We see in the Gospels that Mary and Joseph, that they brought an offering of what? To the temple uh, of doves, which shows that Mary and Joseph were very poor. And so this is the procedure. The priest, verse 15, shall bring it to the altar, wring off its head and burn it on the altar. Its blood shall be drained out at the side of the altar. And he shall remove his crop with his feathers and cast it beside the altar on the east side into the place for ashes. And then he shall split it on all at its wings, but shall not divide it completely. And the priest shall burn it on the altar in the wood that is on the fire. It is a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma, to the Lord. And so that's the specifics of the, about the burnt offering. Again, symbolizing in your notes, giving all to the Lord. And that's my prayer tonight. We're going to end there tonight because we don't have time to go into chapter 2. Uh, we want to spend some time in the grain offering. The grain offering is going to speak about uh, thanksgiving to the Lord and, and, and being thankful for His provision and stuff. And speaking of God's provision. But here's the lesson. If you get anything tonight, that Lord, I come to you. And Lord, I desire to give all to you, especially in the days in which we are living. That you come and say, Lord, you know what? I'm not going to get caught up in the world. I know that I'm in the world. I have responsibilities. I have jobs. I have a business. Um, I have things that I have to get done. I don't know what the future holds, but I do know this. That you died for me. And you gave all to me. By giving your son Jesus Christ. And he gave his life for me. And now I have eternal life. And so Lord I give all to you. Out of my devotion and love for you. And Lord how I desire as I do that. It's a free will. I come of my heart. The Lord that you show me as we go through this book. How I can worship and obey. And just serve you. In a way that is pleasing to you Lord. Because I want to. Because that's my reasonable service. By your mercies that you've shown to me. Because Lord, I'm devoted to you. My love. That's the way, you know, Paul would say it's the love of God that constrains us or the love of Christ that constrains us, motivates us. Because Jesus proved his love for me. Lord, help me. Because I know I can't do it <laughs> in my own flesh. It's a work of the Spirit. But Lord, to be devoted to you each and every day. Listen. We'll end with this. They did the sacrifices. We go through the sacrifices in the mornings and in the evenings. I think that's a good principle. For you, in the mornings and in the evenings, that you give your devotion to the Lord, spend some time with Him in, in devotion, going to Him. Lord, guide me this day. Help me to be a sweet smell and aroma to You. Lord, help me to serve You and to be a light for You and to be salt, to be a witness, Lord, to just stay close to you. And then at the end of the day, Lord, thank you.
thank you for your provision today. I may not know what's going to happen tomorrow. But Lord, I thank you for today. And thank you for working in my life. And that's a good way for you in the times in which we're in. That you stay strong in the Lord, staying close to the Lord. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And we thank you that we can be reminded of these things even as we look at a book that perhaps people don't want to look at. But Lord, the wonderful things that we're going to apply in our lives here, I pray that it would touch our hearts. And Father, I do pray tonight, if there's anyone here that is here tonight, that Lord, that feeling anxious or, or whatever, that Lord, that uh, they would know that you love them and your promises are still true. And Lord, that you see us in our situations, whatever it might be. And Father, I do pray that we would just in the days ahead keep our eyes on You, keep our priorities and that being the Kingdom and living for You and pleasing You. And Lord, that we would be ones that would just um, each and every day give our devotion completely to You. Father, I pray You give us a peace that passes understanding because Your Word says that we don't have to be anxious, but through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let our requests be known to God. And the peace of God that passes understanding guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So I pray that You would guard our hearts and our minds and that we would be able to minister to others that perhaps that they're anxious or fearful or whatever it might be. The Lord, we know that the things of this world are going to pass away. But Lord, that Your Word never passes away. And Lord, we're going to go home to be with You for all eternity. And we're thankful for that. Father, I pray for all the young people that are upstairs. And I thank You for them. And I pray that you would bless them. And, and those who, Lord, who are coming and learning. And there's so much temptation on them and so much um, that pulls them into the world. That, Lord, that we would be able to minister your love and truth to them. Because that's two things that the world can't give. We know that. And that is truth and love. And I pray for all of us, young or old. Lord, whether we're wealthy or poor or whatever our situation might be, we come together as one heart and one spirit in the body of Christ here, knowing that our riches and our wealth and prosperity is in our relationship with You, Lord. So bless this time as we just continue to worship. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We're just